This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He's on the staff to carry Marty Brenneman's bags. Oh, and to do this podcast. Welcome to the Jim Day Podcast. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> we go in three, two, two, one. No, we're already going. Oh, we are? <laughs> hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Marty and Jim show. <laughs> Indeed. That actually has a good ring to it. It does, but I prefer Jim and Marty. No, no, no. No, my, au contraire. For, oh, yeah. No, no, no. No, it would yes. be Marty, Believe me. Marty and Jim. I cease being relevant after September the 26th. <laughs> that is not true. The hell it isn't. That is not true. <laughs> you are going to be ambassador, Marty. Yeah, I know I am. But Marty, yeah, no, <clears throat> I would never, my name would never be in front of yours. But no, it I, does have a good ring to it. it so it's a great in, ring in to In the it. future, if this lame Jim Day podcast, we can just put this aside and do, you know, one together. I'd be your straight man. We could go on the road. <laughs> and they could no, book, book us into nightclubs. It would be just the opposite. You know, Lions Club <laughs> meetings and all that stuff, and I'd be your straight guy. There is not a chance of you I've being I've got some ideas guy. on impersonations you can do. <laughs> <laughs> you just like to get me in trouble. I do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to leave that one later. Okay, right we will. Uh, here we are in the month of Marty. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about the well, month of Marty? I'm, I'm kind of overwhelmed by it all. Uh, I've often said that if I can survive the summer without dropping dead, I'll get to my retirement and I'll be good to go. Uh, I've, I've discovered that there are not enough minutes in a day to take care of all the things that I've got to do, but I guess that's a part of it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm good for it. The club's done an amazing job of planning things and and uh it's it's going to be it's going to be very memorable the last week will be very emotional um uh, but i've never once second guessed my decision to walk away from this job not one time well here we are and it i know it didn't hit you until we went to cities that you're really fond of going to right i mean it hit you Hitting you as in, okay, the, the end is near as far as my broadcasting goes. Correct. You went to San Francisco. Uh, that was the toughest that was the Was that the hardest one? That, that seemed like when it really hit the most. Well, it did because I have such great affection for the guys that do their games mm-hmm. on TV and radio. John Miller and Dave Fleming and Mike Kruko and uh, Dwayne Kuyper are all dear friends of mine. And, and uh, that, that one was really tough. And, and I'll tell you, Cleveland was tough. Because uh, I have a, a world of respect for uh, for Tom Hamilton and Jim Rosenhaus and and the Pete Rick Manning and, and and that bunch up in Cleveland, uh, and Cleveland was tough. Uh, some not so much, um, but that's been the only thing that would differentiate this season from previous seasons until now. I mean, yeah. now now you know I'm in the home stretch and and 
I made the decision way back when I made the announcement in January that I did not want to go to Pittsburgh because I wanted to end my career in Cincinnati as it started. And so that series uh, against Milwaukee on the 24th, 5th, and 6th would be um, – that. that's it for me. And the club then goes on to Pittsburgh to close the year out, and I'll not make that trip. Have you thought about what you're going to say? Because I know Joe had that built-in, hey, this is the old left-hander round and yeah. third heading for home. Uh, and we we're used to him closing down the broadcast like that. Have you given any thought to what you're going to say? Not one, one bit. And in all likelihood, I'll wing it. Um, and it'll be very tough. It, it was like the, the announcement about my going into the Reds Hall of Fame. I had no idea that when I got up there, I'd get choked up, but I did. Um, and as I've often said, you know, the older you get, the more mortal you become. And, and um, seeing people that I have great affection for and, and in many cases knowing that there's a good chance that I'll never see those people again. I might, but then again, I might not. Um, and that, that's, that's what makes it tough for me. Um, I've told Amanda, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there are going to be days when 5.30 rolls around that I think about being in the press dining room eating dinner with you and Tom and Chris and Yid and, and Tommy Thrall and, and whoever else would be involved in that dinner, which is, is like the sun coming up whether we're at home or whether the club is on the road. That, that's, a, that's a right of daily work as that's far as – the funnest part of the job. It is it, because the things we talk about, <laughs> uh, a lot of which could never be uttered publicly and printed. Uh, <laughs> Thank goodness. Have all been a part of, of, of loving the job. And, I mean, I've laughed my way through my career. I mean, yeah. I laugh all the time. I, the things that happen uh, – many of which people would not even believe. Uh, and that's going to be the hardest thing. I, I'm not going to – I don't think I'll miss a job. Somebody said, I've, you know, you've, you've done between 6,500 and 7,000 baseball games, and that's enough. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot. That is but a lot. The people will be the thing that I'm going to miss the most, and that's going to be the toughest hurdle I'm going to have to overcome after it's all over. Well, you get you're, you're doing some meet and greets with the fans, and you're going to broadcast um, below the smokestacks out there, which will be cool. Or, or is it going to be Gappers Alley? No, we're Alley. doing it in Gappers Alley. Gappers Alley. Yeah, okay. right. Over right. in Gappers Alley. Yeah, and that's one game. We'll do yeah. pregame stuff, I think, for two of the three days. Uh, Brantley and I will do, I think, the game on the 24th, the first game of the series, uh, right. will be the, it, the, the broadcast in its entirety will be from there. And then I'll work with Tom on the 25th. How's that going to be? That's going to be That'll be fun. And then Brantley and I will close it out on the 26th. And those two dates will be in the radio booth. Well, a lot of people that are listening to this, uh, most of these episodes are evergreen. So some of you are listening. This has already happened. Yeah, right. And it was fantastic, wasn't it? It was. It blew me away. <laughs> I'm stunned. I can sit here and talk about it. Shocked. Well, I got to tell you, when they uh, the Hall of Fame announcement, and really the announcement um, when you announced you were going to retire, which was the radio affiliates luncheon way Correct. back when. Uh, I was present at both, and I'm not used to you being emotional. I mean, no, I, I, know. I am not used to it at all. You're used to me being emotional in a different sense. <laughs> <laughs> Emotionally a... Yes. Yeah. We'll just leave it there. I know. Um, 
you had me teared up. Well, I mean, it's, you know, I used to give Joe a hard time. I, God bless him. Uh, I used to tell him, you can cry at door opening, sun coming up. It yeah. didn't make any difference. The night they had Johnny Bench night, uh, and, and the Reds lost to uh, the Astros 5-1. to one. The only run that the Reds scored was a home run that Bench hit, and Joe was on the microphone at the time it happened, and Joe got all choked up. And uh, it was hard for me to relate back then. Uh, but then as time rolled on, I, I realized, uh, unlike, it, unlike then, that I think the most macho thing a man can do w- would be to show his emotions and shed a tear. I, 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 I'm convinced of that. I don't apologize for that anymore. I would never have done that. Um, but, again, I think it all has to do with the realization that you are not immortal and I think all of us reach that decision at varying ages in their lives. Um, and when you reach that, you realize that uh, telling people what you think of them is important. Um, I, I, the best example I can give you is Pete. And the word L-O-V-E would never pass his lips. That word would never pass his lips. There is a rare occasion when I talk to him or see him that he doesn't say I love you, and and I truly believe that when he says it, he means it, and and I and I'm sure that I'm not the only person he says that to, and so I that that's that's the re, that's how tough it's going to be for me, um, to walk away from this job, and and quite honestly, um, I'm fortunate because I think I'm walking away on my own terms, and I think I'm walking away while I'm still on top of my game. Uh, I'm not going to name names, but I think there are guys that broadcast sports today, whether it be on a collegiate level or a professional level, that should have retired a long time ago, and they hang on. And I don't want to be remembered as a guy who people look back and said, boy, you know, he should have retired five years earlier. Um, I, I don't want people to say that. So I, I, I came to the decision. Uh, I wanted to do it last year. Without any fanfare, I wanted to do the Sunday afternoon, game number 162, and announce Monday morning I was done. And I felt like I owed it to the club. And, of course, Phil convinced me rather strongly that that was a bad idea, as only Phil can do. (laughs) And so because it was the 150th anniversary of professional baseball, I said, you know what, I'll come back next year. Way back when we first started, they talked about me working until I had 50 years. I said, that ain't happening. I said, I'll be 81 years old. That's not going to happen. I don't care about numbers. Numbers have never meant anything to me. Um, I know there are guys that can tell you today, as we, you and I sit across this table from each other, that do baseball play-by-play and have for many years, they can tell you the exact number of games that they've broadcast. Oh, wow. I can no more do that than a man in the moon. I don't even think about that. Um, and so I said, no, I, I'm not going to do that. I mean, there are places I want to go and things I want to do and – uh, Amanda loves to go and loves to take the bull by the horns and plans trips and all I've got to do is shut up and if I'm critical of any part of the trip I better keep my mouth shut I've gone down that road too which has not been a good one and so um, I've witnessed a couple yes you have uh, in fact we just came back uh, early in late August when you guys went on that long road trip she and I went to Park City Utah and then we went to Jackson Hole Wyoming and then we spent uh, a couple of days inside Yellowstone National Park on the heels of being at Grand Teton National Park. And the only complaint I had on the whole trip was that we stayed at the Old Faithful Inn, 
which is right next to the geyser. You walk out the front door. It's the largest uh, building on earth built completely with logs and nails. Wow. And it was built in 1897 and 1898. It's on the Register of Historic Landmarks. It is a huge hotel. It did not have internet service, and it did not have television. (laughs) And I expressed grave dissatisfaction, and that was a bad idea. That was not a good idea. It did not work at all. And so I have to learn. I have to learn to keep my mouth shut because she's the one that makes all the arrangements, and all I have to do is pack a suitcase and show up. Hold on, Marty. What's the date here? Keep my mouth yeah. shut. What the heck is going No, the wrath of Amanda is unlike any no, wrath. No, I've seen it. Yeah, you have. You so. guys don't hide it no, when I'm around. We go is... at each other like two rabid dogs. <laughs> and the word clown is... <laughs> Among some other descriptive yes. adjectives. Well, uh, we're all glad that you came back for one ceremonial year, if you will. Not a ceremonial year. You are on top of Thank your you. game. But um, that we can celebrate your career and plus they have to have the parade in chicago of their happiness of not having you anymore well, don't you agree yeah well you know <laughs> I, I i would offer them up a, a, a an option i mean if they don't even want to acknowledge the fact that this is the last time i'm ever going to broadcast a reds game at wrigley field that's i'm good for that i'm fine if they choose to do the other way and put my face up on that board and there are choruses upon choruses of booze I might say things about that franchise that they'll be talking about a hundred years from now. So I'm giving them, I mean, it's not going to hurt my feelings if they don't want to acknowledge it's the last time I'll ever spend as a broadcaster in Wrigley Field broadcasting. They're going to boo. Well, then I reserve. Every other park has been great. Then I reserve the right to boo back. (laughs) Well, again, many of you may be listening to this after the fact. I'm kidding. (laughs) No, you're not. No, you're not. Uh Uh-uh. (laughs) <laughs> All right, you, you've got uh, the Marty Brenneman Golf Tournament coming up, mm-hmm. and this poster is outstanding. It's one of the best. By the way, they do a poster every year, and it's uh, it's a tongue-in-cheek poster. Sometimes it involves other broadcasters. Yeah. Um, but this one, just picture a Time Magazine cover. Correct. Which is a famous, famous cover, obviously. Yeah. And then there's, you know, the, the headlines down the side. And I would like to go over some of these, if okay. you don't mind. First, it's Tea Time by it, which is great. And a picture of you in one of your classic shirts, which you've become known for, actually, by the way. These button-up You think shirts. so? Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're outstanding. Yeah. First of all, on top, it says, Cantankerous Person of the Year. Correct. That's a nickname that Sean Casey yes, gave me. He He's and that never to be forgotten day when he stopped next to my seat on the airplane and said, "You know what you are," and I said, "What?" He said, "You're cantankerous." And at that point, I said, "I'll wear that like a badge of honor for the rest of my career." That was great. Yeah, I was so glad to be there to witness it. I know. Um, and this one belongs to Marty, but underneath, how to win your own golf tournament and raise over three million dollars for the Reds Community Fund. For those that don't know, he stacks his team. We've talked about this before, I believe, on previous editions of the podcast. We have. We have. And I do not apologize for that. (laughs) Shirts made for radio and other fashion tips from Marty. How about Adam from Milwaukee? Adam from Milwaukee discusses going shirtless in the booth, how to grow your hair back after 10 straight wins, 
and poofy hair and fancy boy. Poofy hair and fancy boys. Is there a connection? <laughs> That's so bad. I should add that the poofy haired fancy boy was a nickname that was hung on me by Tim Sullivan. Yeah, I know. I found that out. I thought I thought it was always Nuxy. Nuxy took that and ran with it, boy. Yeah, he did. But Tim Sullivan was the guy who who coined that phrase first. Yeah. Celebration plans is another headline. Reds host month of Marty to honor his Hall of Fame career. St. Louis and Chicago plan parades <laughs> celebrating his celebrating exit celebrating his exit <laughs> that's good stuff what's next the next headline creating his own Laura's lean jerky flavor yeah what would that be I don't know I'd have to think about that <laughs> banana phone call in host harasser <laughs> yeah is that what that says I guess it does yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> You people autobiography. Yeah. But maybe the best part of it is back in the day, they used to have the, the stickers of the address on it. Correct. That of is where it was clever. going to. Yeah. And this one says Al Michaels Field, and it is crossed out with in red pen, return to center. Correct. Which is just it's the best. Great. It is the best. <laughs> I mean, these people are so creative that work for Charlie Frank in the Reds Community Fund uh, department of this organization. And it, this this one will go down, may, may, as far as me personally is concerned, maybe the best one they've ever done. And it was kind of interesting because they did it in the first year of the tournament. They did one, and it was purely as a giveaway item, having no idea that it would grow to the extent that it has grown over the years. Mm -hmm. And so... There's a lot of thought in, uh, given to what we're going to do on a yearly basis. And I, I think this is one of the best that they've ever done. It honors my retirement. But over and above everything else, uh, this little subtleties, you mentioned the, the mailing label on my right wrist is a, is a rubber bracelet that has Joe Nuxall's name on it. And right behind that, in a very subtle picture, is Millie in a stroller, and that <laughs> makes your, it complete. Which is his dog Millie, yeah. who you have you're unashamed about wheeling her around I in a stroller not. anywhere, anytime. I'll do anything that I have to do for Millie. <laughs> Count on it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, the the tournament is going to continue, though. You're retiring from broadcasting. Thank God for this, that. This tournament is going to yeah. continue. It's one of the highlights of my year. I enjoy it, um, and I'm. I'm glad that the club is determined that they're going to continue this with my name on it, even though I'm walking away at the end of the season. Well, I am uh, honored to host the dinner program. I know this it, year and it would not be complete if you weren't a part of that. Oh, I don't know about all. That, oh, it's the truth. I don't know about all that. Um, it's going to be fun though, year in and year out. Now you mentioned Joe. Yeah, we're uh, since we're going down the stretch here, they've been bringing back uh, Marty and Joe isms, if you will. And the Kroger commercials they've been playing up on the board and they've been showing them online, which were just legendary. They were something, boy. You and Joe and the Kroger commercials, they were very well done. They were very funny, and it showed the personality of you two. And it also brought to mind a picture that often comes up, and that would be Marty naked in a wheelbarrow with Joe pushing. Can you please explain yes. this story? 
that was a fundraiser, and I, I could be wrong, but I think it had to do with the Cincinnati Garden Club. And they got a, a number of celebrities throughout the greater Cincinnati area to pose for pictures to put on each month. And, and uh, they put uh, our picture was me, as you mentioned, in a wheelbarrow. Joe was pushing the wheelbarrow through a farm field. And all you can see is my upper body and my naked legs hanging over the front of the wheelbarrow and to give the – actually, the whole, the whole year was a, a group of pictures that would subtly imply nudity in every picture, but there wasn't any. But that was the subtle – uh, that was a subtle message that they were getting across uh, to raise funds, and the and the and the um, and it was a very successful program. So Joe and I go out to have this shoot, and I think it was at Burger Farm, which is out my end of town, off of Route 32, um, just before you get to Newtown. Or no, it's between uh, Newtown. It's it's between Newtown and uh, Eight Mile. Eight Mile Road on the right-hand side as you're going east toward uh, Eastgate, and so we get out there and they we 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 are explained what they want to do and how they want to go about doing it, and uh, they said, okay, we're we're going to take some practice shots, and so um, Joe said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to get buck naked. <laughs> He said, well, if you get buck naked, I'm getting in the car and going home. I am not doing that. I said, what are you talking about? I said, nobody can see anything. I mean, all you'll see is my, I'm not doing that. That's not happening. I said, give me a break. Are you kidding me? You used to take showers with guys when you were playing and everybody's in the shower together and they're buck naked and they're getting clean after a night of baseball and now you're going to get righteous on me? I had no intention of doing that. But it lit him up like a Christmas tree. And I got all the way down to my skivvies, and that's what I wore sitting in the wheelbarrow. And the picture's a classic picture. And Joe had a severe case of the butt because he thought I was going to be buck naked in that wheelbarrow. Well, you look like you're naked. You I know. Can't well, see that the was skivvies. the implication. Yeah. yeah. And I think you're pointing forward, and he's. <laughs> It was classic. Uh, can now. you Google that online? I don't know if people can look at it. I don't know whether now. you can or not, but it's worth trying. Oh, my Believe goodness. me. It is, it is great. Yeah. And uh, we we covered some Martyisms in previous editions. One that I did not cover was Ain't Love Grand. Right. Now, where did this come I from? I can't tell you. I have no idea. But I've had people knit that and, and give it to me. on. Uh, they, would, they would knit it in red against a white knitted background. And I don't know, I have no idea where that came from, um, but it started way back relatively early. And every time I had to mention a, an anniversary or a couple getting married or something along those lines, I would utter the phrase, ain't love grand. And it seemed to uh, gain the favor of the people listening to our broadcast. And so I've continued it uh, and even today, if I have a, the occasion of wishing a couple a happy 35th wedding anniversary or a couple young couple getting married or whatever the case might be, I'll run it on out there. Ain't love. Or? Or they're just an ALG. ALG. That's it, pal. That's it. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, um, I think I heard. You got to put your glasses on for that. 
you know, we ought to be drinking like we were in, in, uh, <laughs> that was in Arizona. That was beautiful. That was the best. Well, you know, we, we can do one once you're into retirement. Yes, we, we can. can. I can uh, bring the equipment old to the Marty Palatial Estate. Yeah, we'll do that. Or uh, you can come up to uh, the Loveland. The, that gated community that you <laughs> yeah, are oh, yeah. a resident of. Oh, I'd be okay. more than happy to. You okay, have to Tom. leave my name at the front, at the front yeah. to let me in. Okay, Tom. Sound just like mm-hmm. your son now. I heard you... Tell a story about Bob Bailey and Johnny Bench. Yep. <laughs> Bob Bailey was a bonus baby. Got a lot of money to sign. Was a California native. Uh, I think Pittsburgh was a team that, that signed him to a bonus baby contract way back. And and had a very, very good career. Um, he came to the Reds in the mid-'70s. And he was obviously at the tail end of his career, although he was da- he could be dangerous at the plate because he could hit the ball out of the ballpark if you missed a missed a pitch. He had put on weights, put on weight over the course of his career, and now he came to the Reds as a spot starter and as a pinch hitter off the bench. And they're playing a game at Dodger Stadium one night. I don't remember who was pitching for the Reds. It might have been Frank Pastore. I'm not even sure. Might have been before him. And it was a close game, and, and some one of the Dodger players had a fly ball to deep left. They got that low fence in left field at Dodger Stadium, both in left and right. And he went back to the wall, and the ball was playable. And he reached up to catch it, and the ball hit his glove and fell into the seats for a home run. And so when the inning ended, it came off the field, and you know the third base dugout is the visitors dugout at Dodge. A uh, first base dugout, right. so, and so he he might have been the last one in the dugout, and waiting for him at the top step was Johnny Bench. And Bench said, "I'll tell you one thing." He said, "Had that been a hamburger, he said you'd have caught that ball." <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> Poor Bob, <laughs> but that was typical Bench. I mean, he could come up with a classic line. And that was one of the more classic lines, that, and everybody lost their minds when he said it. <laughs> that would have been a hamburger. You would have you would have caught it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I I miss players like that. I agree. You don't hit. I, there's no guys on the top of the steps anymore. Nope. That are and that team in particular. Um, boy, did they they give it back and forth to each other. And and, and Perez was a ringleader. I mean, Tony was a guy that uh, he would stir the pot up. Uh, and I, you know, Bench Lockard at one end of the clubhouse, Pete Lockard at the other end, and Davey Concepcion and Morgan was somewhere in between. And um, Tony would get on a roll, and he, he'd do it to me. He'd come up to me, and he said, you never believe what Pete said about you today. And I mean, I'm new to it, and I know all I know is I'm a, I'm a buddy of Pete's, and I'm a buddy of Morgan's. And I and I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "You think he's your friend?" He said, "You can't believe the stuff he said about you today." And he'd make up stuff. And then after a while, I understood. I learned what was going on. But he'd do that all the time. And one of the great stories was a '75 World Series. They open in Boston, and they they of course they shut out the first game by Louis Tiant. They come back, and only because of a late hit by bench in the eighth inning do they rally and win that game and now they go back to Cincinnati and uh they play game three and now game four comes up and Perez doesn't have a hit yet 
He has not had a hit yet. I think he's 0 for 13 or 0 for 14, and he walks in the clubhouse that night. I think Louis Tiant was pitching game four. And uh, they couldn't wait for him to get in the clubhouse. Talking about you're one over away from setting or tying an all-time World Series major league record. If you go hitless in your first at-bat, you will lay claim to that record. It was either tying the record or breaking the record. And a lot, you know, in most cases, you don't even touch on a subject like that with a player. But they saw an opportunity to turn the tables on him. And they did almost to a man when he walked in the clubhouse that night. And all he did that night was go out, hit two home runs, and it was off. But that ball club uh, was self-deprecating. That ball club would pull your chain, and it made no difference who you were, how important you were, how famous you were. It made no difference. And that's part of the reason for their success. They never got too high when they were running off a winning streak, which was more often than not. They never got down when infrequently they might lose three or four or, God forbid, five games in a row. They maintained an even keel all the time. And it was because of the stuff that went on in the clubhouse. Um, and, and, and that helped them uh, come to grips with the incredible talent that they had individually on the club, but more important, what they had as a team in total. And um, they, they never went out and embarrassed anybody. They would go out and systematically and very businesslike beat your brains out but they would never embarrass anybody to a point where that team wanted to fight. Now, that's not to say that they didn't fight because they and the Dodgers legitimately dislike one another. It was not just for baseball purposes. I mean, off the field, they didn't like each other. And uh, I'll never forget the night Morgan and Davey Lopes got in a fight at second base. Uh, somebody hit into a game-ending double play uh, to protect the Dodger one-run win, and Morgan was the runner at first base, and he went into Lopes hard at second to try and break the double play up. And my attention was the throw from Lopes to Steve Garvey. If they get the double play, the game's over. They got it, and all of a sudden, everybody's attention was redirected back at second, and Morgan and Lopes were in the, in the dust and the dirt around second, and, I mean, they were going at it tooth and nail. And that was – that. I told somebody the other day, you, all you hear about today, and I make fun of it, well, it's Sunday night must mean the Yankees and the Red Sox are on TV for the 48th time this season. People say that's the best rivalry in baseball. That rivalry has nothing on the Dodgers and the Reds of the 70s. That was some kind of rivalry. And, and I think it, 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 what adds to it is that not only are you two of the better teams in the game, but to make it even more important, you got to dislike each other. You can't like each other right. and still have you're, you're going to have a rivalry, but it's not going to go to the highest level unless you genuinely dislike each other, and that's what those two teams did. Well, if there were Sunday night baseball nowadays, the Reds and Dodgers would be on it. That's all correct. The time if, no question. No question. Back in the '70s, when do you think it turned as far as players getting on each other? Um, I mean, I, I, there's isolated cases of it in today's game but we don't see it as much they do it underneath or right um was the 90 team did they uh have guys that would they did it themselves uh, you know yeah. the, the great story and i just recently renewed old acquaintances with joel peeper who was a one-time reds traveling secretary 
Uh, he and his wife live in uh, Diane live in Park City, Utah, and Amanda and I had dinner with them. And and uh, Joel was traveling secretary, and he looked like a choir boy then. He looks like a choir boy now. And I never seen a bunch of baseball players that were scared to death of a traveling secretary like they were of him. Really? They were petrified of him. Why? I don't know why. I don't. I think it was. But I don't. I, I. You know what? I can't answer that question. But they were not uncomfortable. They were not comfortable around him because they were afraid the first thing he's going to do is jump down their throat. And and they were they were very concerned about him, but they liked him. And so after that club got on a roll, and it was pretty obvious that they were going to have a good year. Um, every time they won a game, Luis Quinones, who was a reserve infielder would dance buck naked in the clubhouse. Somebody would turn music on, and he would dance in the clubhouse. This is when they won a game. There was no playing cards after you got your ass beat with this team and having a big time and turning the sound up and playing cards and acting like you don't care if you ever win another game. That crap didn't go on if you didn't win. But if you won, he's dancing. Then it evolved, and not only is he dancing, but he would then – it was almost like – for want of a better term, a lap dance for Joel Peeper. And it got so systematically planned that Luis would hide. He would hide in a locker with clothes in front of him, hanging clothes he'd hide behind them, or he'd hide in the men's bathroom, or he'd hide in Pinella's office or the coach's room. And Joel would walk in, and he wouldn't see Luis, and he'd figure, well, this is a night. It's not going to happen. And bingo, there he makes an appearance, and he starts dancing for Joel. And it was the funniest thing in the world. I mean, it, and it, 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 players loved it, and it gained momentum because that club just took off when they won the first game, the only year in which uh, since I've been here that they opened the year on the road, and, and they won the opening game when uh, Larkin tripled off Charlie Kerfell in the 10th or 11th inning in Houston. Uh, to win game one, and they never vacated first place. That's my favorite team of all time. I mean, that's obviously not the greatest team. The Big Red Machine teams were, but that that team right there was my favorite because nobody picked them to win anything. Yeah. That was the furthest thing from any of the so-called experts' mind. Um, It was a team that had the greatest chemistry of any team I've ever been associated with. Made no difference whether you were African-American, you were white, you were Hispanic. It transcended everything. Guys would go to dinner, and I got news for you. This 2019 team was very similar to that uh, in terms of getting along with each other and no clicks on the club, and that team was like that. Um, And I'll tell you something else about that team. People talk about my most memorable moments. Um, When they were honored, whenever it was the 25th anniversary, whenever that was, 2015, I Mm -hmm. guess, and the Friday night had them on the field, and we were doing a Q&A. People stayed around. And then the Q&A ended, and, and the photographer, the club had a photographer take a team picture, and I put the microphone down and walked away, and they yelled at me to come back. And I said, for what? They said, because this picture is not complete unless you're in it. Wow. No team's ever done that for me. And so it just confirmed what I've often said, that that – that team with Eric Davis and, and Barry Larkin and um, uh, Ronnie Oster and Billy Dorn and Mariano Duncan and Joe Oliver and Glenn Braggs and Billy Hatcher and Danny Jackson and Tom Browning and et cetera, et cetera, the Nasty Boys, that's my favorite team of all time. And I was privileged to watch them play 
privileged to watch them sweep the Oakland Athletics in the World Series because they were talking about a dynasty with that club. And let's not forget, that team was managed by Mr. Baseball, Tony La Russa. Your guy. My man. <laughs> that had to be so special that they wanted you in that, that picture. It did. It, I, I got choked up. I, that's the last thing. I would never expect that to happen. Um, and, and, and would never – it never feel like I should be a part of that because I don't feel like I'm a part of that. Um, I'll never forget a lot of years ago when Steve Stewart went down and got involved in that team picture that they took on the field – and old Marty found out about it, and it was not good. I said, you have no business being in that picture, none. They just took the team picture the other day here. Yeah. Um, and I'm now officially – people doesn't matter to people, but I'm officially a Reds employee now, which right. happened last year, um, which doesn't change anything for the people out there. But people were like, why aren't you down there in that picture? You're now – I'm like, oh, no. No chance. No. There, there's no chance. I, I, I don't belong in that picture. And I can understand why the other employees feel like they're honored to be a part of that. Yeah. But not in the roles that we are cast in yeah. as broadcasters. Right. We're really not. Right. Yeah. The <laughs> boy, the bad boy, Steve Stewart. Yes, sir. He paid the price. It never happened again. <laughs> well, he... I'm laughing because he paid the price often. I will never on forget. The golf course. <laughs> the day on the golf course. Now, folks, Marty, when he golfs, he likes to golf quickly. Yes. Uh, it doesn't matter how badly you play. Because, I don't care. Yeah, because we're really, we had shirts, what were the Turd Golf uh, Association. Yes. The Scholarship <laughs> Golf Association. Yes, with the, yeah. with the, the logo as a turd. Yes. Because <laughs> a lot of turd players. That's so correct. <laughs> no bigger turd than me. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter how badly it you It does play. not matter. You have to play quickly. Correct. And you were on Steve Stewart so He was in much. the group before, ahead of me. A group ahead of you. And you, you could just hear Marty... You know, you can't, can't say the words no, no, you <laughs> that you're saying, but basically screaming behind him. Hurry up. And at, by mid-round, Steve Stewart was getting out of his golf cart and running. Sprint. Sprinting. <laughs> to, it was bad. It was bad. I'm surprised he still likes me. He, he, I have never seen anyone. I mean, he probably had to sleep for two days because he was worn out. It was like he, he was went exhausted. To, he ran a track meet. <laughs> In fact, he would putt if he if he putted and he putted for six feet past a hole. He would he would race to the ball and putt again. <laughs> and he's still one of my dear friends and has found a great career with the Kansas City Royals yeah. broadcast crew. And uh, that was interesting. It was very interesting. <laughs> Oh, I, I love that. Oh, <clears throat> how about the day? And I was not there for this. You, you, um, Bob Huggins smoked you, didn't he? On the golf course, we're playing golf at La Santaville, and it was Bob Huggins, and John Burns, me, and I forget who the fourth one was, but we tee off on the first hole. And Bob hits his tee shot down the right side of the fairway. I hit mine down the left side, and mine was further. Bob ain't the greatest golfer in the world, neither am I, but he ain't real good. And so I go to my ball. My Which ball's you always about do. 25 or 50 yards. It doesn't, you, no, you'll it doesn't be make, I don't care. It doesn't matter if it's 
Marty's ahead of you. You've got to shoot over Marty. Correct. Basically. Yeah. If that's your problem, that's your problem. That ain't mine. So I'm standing there, and, and, and Bob said, hey, heads up here now. I said, hey, I'm fine. Yeah, I can get out of the way. Well, he hit a low-line drive that never got any more than a foot and a half off the ground, and I couldn't get out of the way of it. And the ball hit me in the right calf right below my knee. Had it hit my knee – it would have shattered my knee. My knee would have been in pieces. It hit my right calf, and I was in such pain that I could hardly talk, and everybody was concerned about how I was, and I made that decision instantly that my leg could fall off below my right knee, but I was going to play 18 holes of golf because I was on the golf course with him, and I know what a hard-nosed human being he is. We get to the green, and I'm doing my best not to limp. And I get there, and John said, you okay? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. He said, the ball hit you good. I said, yeah, I did. Um, Huggins asked me, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. Just play. Well, within two holes, my ankle was full of blood. Oh, and All the blood that that trauma had created yeah. had gone right to my right ankle. But I finished the game. I finished around. I had a hell of a bruise, and I got concerned about somebody mentioned a blood clot. So oh, I yeah. get concerned about that. I right. called Kremchek, and I said, "Hey, this is what happened." And I said, "What do you think?" He said, "Well, I'll, I'll take a look at you." But he said, "I don't think that's going to create um, a blood clot that you need to be overly concerned about." And so I saw him at the ballpark that night of the next day. I think they were off that day. And it was a severe bruise and a whole bunch of, of settled blood in my right ankle, but I refused to give in to him. Huggins ever know that it was that bad? No, nah, I never let on. <laughs> never. It hurt like hell, though, I can tell you that much. A screamer from Bob I mean, Huggins. Hits the hall, almost bullet. takes out the Hall of Famer. If it hit my knee, I'd have been in the hospital having surgery. I can promise you that. I was very fortunate. Who would be your dream foursome? Boy, oh boy, that's a great question. I don't, you know what? I don't know. I, I did, that's hard to say. Um, I think Tiger Woods would be in the foursome. I, you know what? My dream foursome from a golf perspective would be Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, and Arnold Palmer. That'd be it. Wow. And I'd be like I died and went to heaven. And they'd have to help me through 18 holes of golf. And they'd probably get pissed off because I was so bad. But I would be – that would be uh, the be-all and the end-all. Although, as I said on the radio, after coming back from being out west and playing a Pete Dye course one day and playing a Jack Nicholas course the next day, and I said it on the air uh, the first night we were back, that first game of the series against the Phillies, talked about the trip that Amanda and I and thanking – Mac Riley and 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 uh, his wife Michelle Ann for hosting us at their home in in um, Park City and the the golf complex is called the Promontory and they had the two golf courses there and I played the die course the first day and it's a great golf course and I scored well I played really well and you know at that altitude the ball just travels forever and yeah. I mean it makes you feel good right the next day we played the Nicholas course. And I get through nine holes, and I play pretty well. Played the 10th hole, and I, I think I bogeyed the 10th hole, and I'm flying. And as we get on the tee box on number 11, Mac Riley, my host, says, 
you can go ahead and bend over and kiss your ass goodbye. I said, what are you talking about? He said, the next seven holes, you've never seen anything like it. I said, give me a break. I said, I've played 10. I quit on 17. <laughs> what? I quit. And I said on the radio, hard? what? <laughs> I said on the radio, I thanked everybody. What a wonderful time I had. I said, it was only one negative. This is on Red's radio now. And I paused for effect, and I said on the air, I hate Jack Nicklaus. <laughs> and then I explained. I said, he lives by the credo, I hate golfers. Yes. And he does. <laughs> you cannot believe how hard that golf course was. I mean, I was, I was, he brought me to I, the, the 17th hole. You had to hit it over a short body of water. And I had, he had already brought me to my knees. And I hit two balls in the water. And I went back to my bag and I put the driver in the bag. And I told Mac, I said, but pal, I am done. I'll ride in the cart the rest of the way. It's brutal. I played Fazio courses. I played with Tom a number of times because he's a buddy of Bob Castellini's. He gives the average golfer an out on every hole. Yeah, the good, good players, they don't even pay attention to that out. But he gives, and Arnold Palmer's was the same way, not Jack. Jack will give you no quarter, nothing. <laughs> if you stink as a golfer, you might as well find somewhere else to play. Well, when, when I'm on a golf course and it's really hard and I'm playing poorly, I'll ask who I'm playing with. All right, who designed this course? And most of the time it'll be someone I don't know. Well, that guy hates golfers because this is ridiculous. Right. Or whoever placed this pin today That's was correct. laughing when he, he or she placed it. That's right. Yeah. Anyways. It's a great game, though, pal. We played some good golf courses, too, now. Oh, man. I've said it on this podcast and said it many times. The only thing better than being Marty Brenneman is being Marty's friend. <laughs> we played some dandies now. On the scholarship golf tour where, yeah. You guys are going to you guys gonna miss me next no, year that, now. People say, what are you going to miss about Marty? The first thing that comes to mind is the, the dinner table. Um, you know, interesting topics come up. Interesting time. topic, but the second thing is like pretty good golf. Uh, I'm going to miss out on the road because uh, <laughs> it's a little different between Marty calling up and me calling up. No, because Chris, now Chris, <laughs> let's Chris, give Chris his due now. Chris Welsh, yeah, he, Chris is, is, is he can he can dial up some good golf courses. He can, he sure can. He can talk it too. If he were not a broadcaster, he'd be a heck of a salesman. Yes, he would. Way. Yes, he would. <laughs> he would be really good. You're not kidding. So I'll be leaning on the crafty lefty. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I might fly in periodically and play with you. I guys. was just going to say you need to like show up on the cities that you enjoy. I would do that. I mean, I'd go to Milwaukee, and I love Milwaukee. Most people think I'm crazy. I think it's one of the great cities in the country. I, I like going to, go. to Milwaukee. I do too. I love the Fister Hotel. Yeah. And. Uh, St. Louis. I, I don't mind St. Louis at all. I think I don't like St. Louis because we get our not we well, the I Reds know. get their brains beat out there. But I we stay at the at the uh, Rich Carlton out in Clayton. I yeah. love the people in that hotel. Um, so there are places you know you miss I'm, the dancing the, that goes on and the uh, yes and you, which you have been a part of in the past before you and Stephanie got married. You'd go in there <laughs> I and would not. find a. Uh, an available young lady and then no. do the ballroom dancing or no, something of that they, nature. There's always ballroom dancing or square dancing or something every time we walk in there in the in the bar. I know. It's, and, you know, you, that's one of your many talents is your ability to dance. That's a big negative right there. 
That is a no. Capital N O. Oh God. I'm not very talented at much, but that's certainly not one of my talents. Uh, although I used to dance back in the day. I'm sure you did. Yeah. I'm sure you did. Ah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you will have to show up and uh you're you're now I mean, what do you have planned? You said you wanted to travel, see places that you that you hadn't seen yet. What's on the docket? What do you well, guys I mean, got going? You know, with a trip we completed in late August, I mean, I, I went to Wyoming for the first time. I had lunch in Montana across the state line when we left uh, uh, the Yellowstone National Park and went into West Yellowstone, Montana. And there are states that I've not been in. Um, Amanda's been in every one of them. But our travel is baseball travel. We go to all the biggest cities in the country, but – I've not been to Idaho. I've not been to either of the Dakotas. I've not been to Oregon. We'll be out there. Uh, I guess we're going there sometime. Oh, no, we're going to in spring training because I'm going to be out there for the club for a couple of weeks. We're going to fly to Oregon and then drive down the West Coast. Are you going down the Pacific Coast Highway? Yes. It is the greatest drive. Yep. That's now, I haven't do. done the or the Washington Oregon part, right? But we went from um, San Francisco to L.A. Right, incredible. Yeah, incredible. Well, that's what we're going to do, and we're going to start in Oregon and take your time doing it. Oh, we are. There's so many, especially. I mean, your your wife's like my wife, the picture queen. Yeah, there are so many places to stop and take pictures. Right, it'll be like. It's just unbelievable. It's the most beautiful drive. Well, that's I'm looking forward to that and. Um, uh, you know, I, up until the last three or four years, I'd never been to some of the uh, New England states. Uh, we went to Maine, which I think is one of the great states in the country. The beauty is breathtaking. They've got a great national park there in Acadia National Park. And that's another thing. We're gonna, we've gone to a number of national parks. We're going to go to even more and more because I thoroughly enjoy it. We're going to go to Glacier National Park probably next August. Uh, we're going to go back to um, Yellowstone because the one area of Yellowstone we did not go in is an area called Lamar Valley, and that's where you see the greatest number of animals in the entire park. You know, we saw elk. We saw herds of bison. Uh, we saw beautiful e bald eagles. Uh, did not see any bears. Did not see any moose. But they say in Lamar Valley, you see everything, including antelope and badgers and, and the whole nine yards. So we're going to go back there. Yeah, I saw all those pictures, by the way, and I got mentioned. I don't know if you saw it or not. You, you, you did? Yeah. On Instagram, you posted a bunch of pictures, and at the end of it was like this big, fat animal. And someone commented, nice to see another picture of Jim Day. I never said that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say but that. you set him up to do it. No, I didn't know. I mean, the guy... All these unflattering pictures that, you know, who grieves for me? <laughs> You've got I, a lot of people that grieve for you. I know because of these unflattering pictures that continue to show up on Instagram. See, you're going to have Tom Brenneman coming at you solo next year. Uh, he doesn't know how to operate his camera he phone. Really, that's weak. <laughs> it really is. It's weak. <laughs> it's like bringing a, a, a kid to try and do a man's job. <laughs> he couldn't take a picture to save his life. No, he couldn't. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's something else I I felt I became fairly proficient in. You are, unfortunately. 
<laughs> and it, now, again, we've talked about this before. You've got stringers out there. I do. So I'm at... People submit pictures to me that they've taken of you, and I, I probably am, put them on Instagram. Yeah, I am at one of the season ticket holders' luncheons, <laughs> and I'm, I'm hosting. We, we kind of rotate who hosts these things. Indeed. And there's a panel, and you kind of just host a panel, a Q&A panel. So I'm sitting up front, and I had to sneeze. You did. And at that very moment. At the very moment. And, and I didn't want to I, – I, when I sneeze, you know, I'm one of those guys that – one of those people, thank goodness, that covers his mouth. Some people that do that, that don't drive me crazy. Correct. I so agree. I put my whole arm up. You did. And I, I do that a lot. It's just a habit. I put my entire arm up in front of my mouth. And they caught you. And at that very small. moment, the facial expression is I'm getting ready to sneeze. And it looks like I'm dabbing. I'm. It, it, it did. <laughs> That's exactly what it looked like. And it's. All of a sudden, it's on Instagram. And I couldn't believe somebody submitted it to me, of all people. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you have to post it to It was like a springboard thousands from them of- to me and right on to Instagram. <laughs> you don't have to post it to thousands of people, But though. see, the thing you misunderstand... And, but or, you didn't explain what it was. You just posted the difference. picture. There's no, there's no need or what, to what did you say? What was the, the caption that you put? I don't you, know. I don't, oh, here we go. I'm going to try and find it. Please, true. Because... It Listen, everyone has to sneeze, and you have a stupid look on your face. It's an ugly moment for anyone. You, it's uncontrollable. You, you, you know, at you, and it's. It was brilliant. <laughs> that picture was absolutely so. Brilliant. Someone is literally sitting there. I mean, we're talking about one little second in time. It was like a an hour and a half event, and the rest of the pictures you could have taken of me are just like ho hum. That one second of time. I know. You're right. You're absolutely correct. And so I, you've got stringers out there. I do. I can't find it right now, but I, the caption was good. I can promise you whatever it was. It, uh, I spent a lot of time trying to come up with something that was relatively catchy, <laughs> and I was successful. I'm not going to miss that. Although, if you've got stringers working for you, I'm sure this will continue into the future. Well, I hope people listening to this show realize I won't be Cut around off Marty's year, mark. So if you get a candid shot of him, by all means, send it to me, and if you I'm want cutting to off receive your mic. credit, See, I'll be happy to credit you with a picture. You can, you can barely hear Marty in the background right now. I'm in control of his <laughs> mic. Oh, we back? What were you talking about? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> You're killing me. That is great. I wish I had control of your mic all the time. That would be great. I felt a lot of power right there. Yeah, I know. I know. That, that, a great deal of power right, just lot. came just up, by up, turning down a knob. Up, uh, upon me right there that I was able to you just, silence you. In broadcast terminology, you potted me down. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, I, I've got to uh-huh. let you go here in a minute. But what's um, Ambassador Marty? Yes. Which is what you're going to be. By the way, if people don't know, Marty... Uh, can we talk about this? Yeah, sure. Okay. In the future, he's not going to be broadcasting games, but you are going to be a, for lack of a better term, ambassador for the club. So mm-hmm. what's this going to be like when, um, you're not necessarily commenting on baseball and sometimes not so good baseball, but you're an ambassador for the club. What do you think well, it's going to be like? I don't think a whole lot will change. Mm-hmm. I mean, I because you do it a lot. I mean, you do a ton of events. And- they're gonna they're gonna give me, uh, you know, if they want. I, they've already talked about my going to spring training uh, when they have the sponsors out there, when they have the owners out there. Uh, a man and I will be there for that. You bring in your golf clubs? What? 
Um, I'm going to go. I'm available. Yeah, and, okay. I, and I don't think I won't keep you in mind unless you piss me off. Um, I, uh, I'll be on the caravan. Yeah. I'll be at Red's Fest. And whatever else they feel like benefits them by my presence, I will certainly be available. I mean, there are going to be times when I'm not in town. I mean, we already got a trip planned to go to the Mediterranean next May. Um, they'll give me ample notice about events that they want me to be a part of, and 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 so I'll do that. And I appreciate the fact that they felt enough of me to want me to be involved with the ball club in that capacity, and that I will do. But again, I underline the fact that I will not do any broadcasting at all. I learned a long time ago, and I and I'll stand by it till the day I die. I'm not going to come in and take games away from people who are in place and who are on the regular payroll, and their job is to broadcast baseball. I'm not taking games away from those people. I will not do that. Plus, in fact, I'm not going to hang around and have you or Tom or Chris or Tommy Thrall or Yid or someone mutter under their breath, yeah, damn, he's retired. Why didn't he go home? I would never not hang that. around all the time. I would not do that to you. That's not no. going to happen either. I'm not going to do that. But I'll be around. You know, I, uh, I again, I, I'm, I'm thankful that they want me to be around, and, um, and I look forward to what the new capacity holds for me. We mutter a lot of things under our breath about you, but that's not one of them. Well, I told, like I told the boys the other day, it's going to be real quiet around here next year. <laughs> You're well, not kidding. It's going to be real quiet. <laughs> You're not kidding. We had a road trip recently with neither Brenneman on. And I'm like, it is awfully quiet. It was quiet like awake, wasn't it? It was like awfully quiet <laughs> around here. We're actually all getting along. No one's, <laughs> no one's uttering any profanities at me. I know. This God is, forbid that I wow. would do something like that. This is, yeah, it is, this is outstanding. But of course, um, you know, I've got to get the text messages uh, and the calls during the game. When I'm uh, be there. on camera, Marty likes to ring my phone. And I have one of these Apple watches. So it, I was looking it, for it, you it last like, night. It like vibrates. when. So I'm holding the mic and bzz, bzz, bzz. That's it. I look down. Oh, of course, Marty's calling. He's waited till I was been out of shape last <laughs> night because I looked down there and it was too late in the game. And I realized you were gone because I was getting ready to dial you up again. I know. I'm like... 15 missed calls from Marty, and now Tom's gotten on board with it. Yeah, yeah. So I'll have you two calling me at the same time. Go, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unlike any broadcast crew in baseball, I'll tell you that right now. It really is. It truly is. Uh, by the way, congratulations on the Reds Hall of Fame. Thank you. That's, uh, That's a very special thing for me. That right? is huge. And as I've often said, I hope I'm not the first and the last because I think Quite honestly, I think the policy that they had for years was outdated. I did a study of all that. No broadcasters were in it, right? Well, or not only broadcasters. Yeah. I mean, I I think there are people that should have been in there before me. I think Bernie Stowe should have been in there. I think Chief Bender should have been in there. Um, So I hope that my going in next April will open the door for people who justifiably should be in based on the careers that they enjoyed while being employed by this ball club. Um, I think just to allow me in and nobody else of a non-uniform capacity down the road is an injustice. Bob Haslam in there? Uh, I don't think so. And, you know, with all due respect to the Powell Crosley Award, that's that's 
given to people who were not players or managers. Uh, and Bernie Stowe has had received the Powell Crosley Award, and there have been other people of that nature that have also received it. But I, I think uh, almost without exception, every baseball team's Hall of Fame has included uh, people in the broadcast business. The Boston Red Sox in the last two years put a guy in who was a part of their uh, service uh, community of, of, of customer service who had been a member of the customer service department for 40-some years. Oh, wow. And he went in. Now, if he can go in alongside Carl Yastrzemski and Ted Williams, are you kidding me? They're not people in this organization who have served this club with great distinction in the past. They don't deserve to be in there. Don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. Well, Joe should go in as a broadcaster, not I, only as a player, but I as a would, broadcaster. I would agree with that 100%. No question about that. Well, I, I think it's great. And you're the only one going in next year. It's going to be terrific. Well, uh, I'm looking forward weekend. to it. It'll really be special. I am looking forward to Marty post-broadcasting career. We'll see what Marty turns into. Or if – I actually don't think you'll change a bit. I don't think so. I'm married <laughs> to a woman. I, I can carry on the same crap with her that I do with you guys. So, I mean <laughs> – <laughs> thank God. Thank God for Amanda Brenneman. <laughs> well, thank God for you. Um, I appreciate you it. You have appeared so many times on this podcast, and you are so busy right now for you to scratch out time to do this again. For I, you, anything, pal. I appreciate it so much. I hope this is not the last time we are ever on the mic together. I hope not. I because, hope. Uh, yeah, I would uh, love for you to grace it again. We'll do it again. If not, the Marty and Jim show. In the future. <laughs> Drum roll, please. <laughs> Has a good ring to it. Not bad. How about Mondays with Marty? Oh, boy. That would be interesting. And then we'll just recap the week. That'd be good. That's not a bad idea. That's Mon a pretty good idea. Thank you. Not bad. Just came like to my that. brain. Mondays yeah. with Marty. That's big. And then everything that happened during the week, people will be like, all right, what's Marty going to say, say about this? <laughs> That'd be good. All right. We're gonna, I'm going to keep that in mind. All right. You're available. Man. All right. Hey, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Let me be like Pete Rose. Love you. I love you too. All right. This is the Jib Day Podcast. Uh, check me out on Instagram and Twitter, at Jim Day TV. Where are you on Instagram, by the way? At Marty Brenneman. Yeah, that's it. To see disparaging things about me from time to time. Correct. It will check not out, go away. Check out Marty on there and once again thank you for listening to the gym day podcast as this thing continues to grow thanks to guys like franchester martin brenneman thank you he's the best thank you. so long everyone